0: This is Tim Bryan, pastor of Lifeway Apostolic Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this message will inspire, build your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy this message. I feel the presence of the Lord here today, and I'm taking my time because I'm not sure the direction we're going to go here today. So I want us to stand, we're going to pray, and I want you to pray for me. And I want you to pray for yourself. And um, we're going to see where the Lord takes us. And um, amen. Amen. Let's pray right now. Jesus, Lord, we need you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I praise you. I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for what you have done thus far in this service. But, God, do not leave us comfortless today. Your word promises that you would not. So God I ask you, Lord, that your comfort, your presence will begin to be shed abroad in this room here today. Lord, I love you, I praise your name. In Jesus name we pray and everybody say, Amen. Amen, if you want to turn your Bibles while you stand to Proverbs chapter number 29 and verse number 25. Twenty nine twenty five. Just one verse says this: "The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be what safe shall be safe." Um, we're gonna kind of delve into some things today, and I will confess, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Um, usually I have an idea in my mind of how whether I'm going to preach, preach, teach, just talk or spit on somebody on the front row, you know, whatever. Um, a lot of times I'll have an idea of how the ending is going to go. And I, I am saying this, I'm confessing to you today because um, I am uh, not uncertain in my spirit, but I'm just feeling after the presence of the Lord. And I'm buying myself some time, so I'm talking right now. <laughs> so, amen. You can be seated. And um, we'll get into the word of the Lord here today. Um, make a statement here that men are men at best. When I say men, I'm not talking about a gender. I'm talking about humanity. Men are men at best, and at best still just men. I'm gonna repeat that to kind of get you to the mindset here today. Men are men at their best. And at best, we are just still men. We are flawed. We are, um, if I can say this, perfection loses itself in humanity. (laughs) I am not perfect, but we like to prove to everybody that we are perfect. That would be one problem with social media today because all you see is the perfect side of things the things that people want you to see. In fact, that people would put out in perfection just to show how perfect they want to be. We will put our flaws on social media and our Instagram page or Facebook, and we will say, and because we want to garner something from somebody else. There's a lot of selfish desires going on in this world today. And so perfection loses itself. In men, perfection is lost because we are flawed. In of ourselves, we are flawed. The Bible says we are born and shapen in, finish it with me, iniquity. When I come into this world, this world is a fallen world. When I am born, I am born to eventually die. And I don't want to be morbid here today, but I am a dying man, standing in front of dying people. say, Pastor, that's kind of morbid, but it's the truth. We are imperfect people. We are imperfect and flawed in many ways. We are just men and women with a need. In the crux of the matter, we are just people who need something. When you wake up, you're hungry, you need food. When you uh, go to bed at night, you want a bed. You need shelter for your, your life. You need air to breathe. You need things in your life. You want to go to work that's 30 miles away, it's good to have a car. Somebody say amen. amen. If you want to do things, you got to have money. You're in need of things in order to achieve things. You are in need. Every way in our life, we are in need. We come into life in need, and we leave this earthen vessel the same way. When I come into this world, I need somebody to help take care of me. In order to get out of this life, I need somebody to make sure I make it to another destination. We all have things we are excellent in. We are good at certain things, and there are things that we're not so good at. We don't post the things that we're not so good at. We always video somebody else doing something not so good, and we post that. <laughs> we don't post the things and say things that, that we're not good at. In fact, when we do, we humble ourselves so that we can be exalted for being humble. You all know what I'm talking about. It's Why do we do that? Because inherently we are flawed, and we don't know what there is good in us And sometimes we get in our own way in order to achieve certain things. Let me get back to this. We all have things we are excellent in, and there are things we do not so well, and then there are some things we're just not good at at all. And the things we are naturally good, we excel. Confidence ensues. When people do things well, there is confidence that comes in our being. It is gratifying to do something that you can do well. It is gratifying to do something that you know you're going to do well at. It's like my daughter, she's not in here. When we go play softball, she wants to be the batter because she knows that she thinks she can hit it pretty far. Well, I want to be first. Why do you want to be first? Because I want to be the first person to hit the ball. Well, why is that? Well, because she thinks she's good. Whether she's good or not, it doesn't really matter. It's just the fact that she wants that desire to show people that she can do things well. And and that is important to have, to be able to show people that you can do things well. And we need to do things well in every aspect of our life. But there are certain things we're just not good at. We're just not good at. In the not good category, we try to hide our shortcomings and mask them. But why Do we mask the things that we're not good at? It's a little four-letter word called fear. Fear of being recognized for the shortcomings. Because we know embarrassment will come. We're fearful of what the outcome would be when we show our shortcomings. No one wants to feel less than anybody else. Nobody wants to be the last person picked for the kickball team. Nobody wants to be on the outside looking in. Nobody wants to be embarrassed. Nobody wants to feel shame. Nobody wants to feel, like I said, less than anyone else. And that's our natural instinct, if you will, here today. So I'm going to deal with the spirit of fear in this place here today. Fear. Everybody say fear. Another word for fear is anxiety. Or it exceedingly fears somebody quaking or trembling. It's an emotion that not only is on the inside, but it manifests itself on the outside by our actions, not just by our words. When somebody is fearful to be a part of something, they go back into the background, hopefully not to be noticed. When they're afraid of something that is perhaps about to take place and they know they're not good at it or they know they have questions or they know that there is something that they may not even agree with, they will find themselves on the back burner kind of watching everybody else and trying to, trying to remove themselves from the picture because fear is somehow crippled their willingness to be involved in the event that's in front of them. Bible says that fear comes and it brings a snare. It brings a snare. So if you look up, I looked up what a snare means. And it was, a drum, it was not a drum set part. I don't know why it wasn't there. But it, it was a noose for catching animals. Something that would grab them by the neck. We have a collar for a griffin, and you if you've seen our black lab, he's about hundred pounds, 98 to 100 pounds, and it's hard to control him when he sees something he wants. So we had to go and buy a snare, a collar that has and my wife said, I would never buy a collar that has like these little little hooks that goes into the neck of a because that was cruel. But what she found out is that dog is being cruel to us when we walk it. So we had to put a snare around that dog's neck. He does really well for the most part. But when he wants to pull and when he wants to take off, we got to snare him just a little bit to keep him. And what that does, there's fear of pain that happens around his neck that will keep him from pulling that chain. So my wife has learned the value of that snare for a dog. A hook. On the shepherd's rod, there was a hook in the in the Old Testament. In a shepherd's rod, he would take that hook; it was open in on one end. He would take that snare, if you will, and grab that lamb by the neck and pull that lamb back to where it needed to be. So, a hook or uh, a, a hook or ensnared a gin or a snare or trap is another word for a snare. Fear is something that the devil uses. Fear is something that the devil will try to get the church to cripple under. Fear of what is to come. I was talking to somebody on the phone yesterday, and I began to share with them about what's going on in our church. They do not go here, and they're from another state, and we began to share, and he began to prepare me. He says, now, Tim, if you begin to start property, if you're going to begin to build a church, let me prepare you for what is to come there's going to be some snares that's going to pop up every now and again and will try to rob you of your faith and rob you of your trust in God, rob you of what God wants to bless you with. you got to be careful and watch out for those snares that are in your life. But in that moment of snare, right before you step in that snare, there is fear that will come into your life. And that fear will bring you to a place of a snare. But I'm here to tell you today, that we cannot and should not be a church that is bound by fear. When we come into the house of God, there should be liberty in the name of Jesus Christ. There should be joy in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that his love casteth out all fear. It's not my love. It's not my love that casteth out fear. It's the love of Jesus Christ that is shed abroad for us that casteth out the fear. So many of us will pray and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pastor, help me with this. Help me. Well, I need somebody to come alongside and pray. And we will pray, and I'm happy to do that. But let me tell you, when you get a hold of the love of Jesus Christ, and when you get a hold of the power of the cross and what he did for you, and you get an understanding of who Jesus really is, and you get confidence in the name that is above every name, there is no snare and no fear that can hold you down. We have to understand that we are people that are imperfect, and perfection loses itself in men, and perfection is lost because we are flawed, and we got to understand that. And we are subject to emotions, subject to certain things. But I know a way out of fear. And I know a way out of getting out of that snare. I know a way out to get out of that anxiety, out of that trembling and quaking of your spirit. And I have a name that can help you out. And his name is Jesus Christ. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter number 7. And we're going to get somewhere. We have a couple men here that were in a snared place. They were about to be trapped. In fact, they were trapped in their life in the moment Second Kings chapter number 7, verse number 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, uh, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou, or, uh, but shalt not eat thereof. Verse number 3, and it says, And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said to one another, Why sit we here until we die? You see what fear does to you? Fear, what it does is it puts you in a place of uncomfortableness and you'll go to a place of a snare. And the idea of a snare is to keep you there until you die. If you are a hunter or a gatherer or something like that, you will, you will find that, that uh, when you put, put a snare into force, you try to trap an animal and that animal will be trapped so that you can come and to eventually kill that animal. Or that place where the animal would die in the, in, the, in the moment. When you go fishing, there is a hook on the end of your line. You are, your job is to snare that fish, to bring that thing out of the water, get it out of the place that it's normally living into a place that it is hooked and it is in bondage and it is a place to die. So we find these leprous men on the outside of the city in the, at the entering gate. Of that city, And in this moment, let me set the stage, if you will, here today. There were Syrians that round about this, this city, and they were there to, to uh, camp around that city and to uh, fortify that city so that nobody could leave or come or go or anything in that city so that they would waste away in that city until they would die. They created a snare over that city. They encamped around them. They would would allow nothing in and nothing out. The people could not come nor go. They could not come in. They could not leave. They They were subject. They could not go draw water from an outside well. They could not hunt. They could not get anything. They could not get any resources. They couldn't call the Marines to drop something from the sky to help them out. There was no way of getting word out that things were not very good in their situation they found themselves in a place of desperation therefore the Elisha he told them that that tomorrow at this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria and there were four leprous at verse number three men entering to the gate and they said one to the other, "Why sit we here until we die if we say we will enter into the city then the famine in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. But if they kill us, but we shall die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man There for the Lord, verse number six for the Lord had made the host of Syrians to hear a noise of chariots. Everybody say, A noise. I like that word. In the Scripture heard a noise, and a noise of horses, and even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore, they arose and fled in the twilight, and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp as it was, and fled For their life. Verse number 8. And when these lepers came... To the uttermost part of the camp. They went into one tent and did eat and did drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Verse number nine And they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come to us. Now, Therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. Let me get you to a place in the scripture of understanding. We have these young men, if you will, these leprous men who were dying in their flesh. They were going to die regardless. Regardless if there was famine in the camp. Or, or an army surrounding that city. It did not matter. Their outcome was certain one of three ways. They were going to be: die of starvation, die in their flesh, or die to the hands of the enemy. But something got a hold of them that was not going to allow fear to to prohibit them. We're going to do something instead of doing nothing. I'm not going to stay here and sit here in the place of perplexity, in the place of anxiety, in the place of fear anymore. We can stay here till we die, or we can do something about it. Ladies and gentlemen, what the devil has tried to convince the church and the people of the church is that you're bound and you can't get out. I got you by sin. And I'm never going to let you go. But let me tell you, there is a name that is the name of Jesus that can pull you, pull that snare back off your ankle bones. And you are gonna rise up with a mighty shout and take out the enemy, if you will. There are so many that are bound by fear of their circumstances. There are so many that are bound by fear of what could or should have will happen if they make a move. They say, Pastor, I don't know what is going to happen if I go to an altar. I don't know what's going to happen if I decide to be baptized in Jesus' name. But let me tell you today, I can tell you, tell you one thing that's going to happen. The, the Lord God Almighty is going to wash your sins away, and He's going to take the snare. Come on, somebody. He's going to take the snare of the devil and peel that back off your life and peel that back off your heart, and you're going to be walking in a new path they find themselves in this place they find themselves in a place of really hopelessness but something got a hold of them and they were not going to allow fear to to cause them to stay snared in their situation first number six the lord hath made everybody say the lord it's something that we cannot get out of on our own. All I need to do is make the first move a lot of times. All I need to do is make the first step a lot of times. All I need to do is say, God, I want to abide in you so you can abide in me. I want to have your will be done in my life. I I want to make a choice to serve you. I'm going to say, God, forgive me of my sin today because I know in the current place that I'm in, there is no hope. In the current place that I I'm living there is no light at the end of the tunnel in the current place that I'm in I'm going to either die in my flesh I'm going to die to the cares of this world or the enemy is going to come into me like a flood so what your circumstance is is telling you there is no hope but my God is full of hope he's full of love he's full of mercy he's full of grace So, in the name of Jesus, we got to get up out of our seat. Uh, We got to get out of our desperation. We got to, even though we have a snare around us, I can go to Jesus, uh, the author and the finisher of my faith. Uh, I'm glad he's an author, but I'm so glad he's my finisher because, in the moment of my snare, God's not done with me yet. Uh, The devil may have me for a moment, but my finisher is God, and he's willing and able to forgive me of my snare and of my pain and my heartache. There are many times in my life that I have felt an overwhelming sense that I was entrapped by a snare. There have been times that I have felt like that I could never look at anybody in the face because I was snared with, uh, with, with, with a, with a spirit that I could never do anything. I can't get, I can't speak in front of people because I got I have a, a what do you call a, 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 a stuttering problem. That was not played up. I actually stutter, especially when I talk about it. Sometimes I have to repeat myself because the words don't come the way they really want to come. But the devil tried to tell me that I couldn't. The devil tried to tell me you can't build a church. You can't do anything. You can't show up because if you do, people will laugh you off the platform. But let me tell you, but my God shed forth unto me a love that casteth out all fear. Therefore, I can stand in front of people and declare the goodness of God. the times in my life that I felt like things were going to come to an end. And when I say that, I mean my family that I've made some dumb moves as a husband and I never cheated on my wife or anything like that but I've had attitudes towards my wife that I she probably could have walked out because I was not a good enough man if you will but thanks be to God that God showed forth love that God showed forth mercy and God showed forth love to my wife enough to say okay I can put up with him in a little while longer I can be a knucklehead sometimes. Earlier on in our marriage, I was so selfish. I was I was so enthralled with the idea of what I should I should do, what what my day should be like. I I was so head over heels for sports that I would work a full hour, full a full day. Then I would head to the closest ball court to go play, and I would play till till uh, early evening and go home and hope the dinner was on the table. That's no way to live. That's no way to be. I thank God that God brought me. Out of selfishness, uh, that God brought me out of out of of that self-centeredness, and said, "You are a child of mine." So He pulled me out of that snare of selfishness. I had an anger problem early on in my early twenties. I'm very ashamed to say that I punched a few holes in the walls. I broke a chair in our house. I threw my glasses against another uh, a, a piece of furniture and broke my glasses. I, I've done goofy things. I, I, I've I driven at high speeds in, in anger and in distress. I, I have done things that I should not be here today because I was full of anger. I was full of, 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 of just of just an idea that I needed to get out of the place that I am. I was in and I was ready to take on anybody if somebody looked at me wrong. I wanted to punch them square. In the face. If things didn't go my way, I would I would storm out of the house. And things didn't go my way, I would argue with people. And at times I would I would keep within myself, and in myself, I, I was full of anger. I was full of rage in those moments. But I'm here to tell you today: God pulled that snare off my ankle bones and said, You are gonna be set apart from me. See, I used to be an angry young man. I used to be so competitive that if I didn't win, I would be angry. I had a young man that I was a teenager with, and we would play basketball. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a great basketball player. I just played people that weren't as good as me. We played basketball almost every day when I was a teenager. And little Aaron, he beat me one day. And it angered me so much that he beat me. It was the first time that he beat me. He beat me, and it was a last shot, and he, he, uh, he was a lucky shot, and I'm still resentful about it. God's helping me. But the next game, I got, I got up, I said, "We're playing again." He said, "Why, I said, I'm not leaving here, a loser." And I pointed at him, and anger got up in me, and I had the ball, and I ran right over him. I knocked him on the ground, stepped on his hand and made the shot. I said, "Make it take it. Give me the ball." No sympathy." And I beat him 24 to 4. And I was angry, and I left that place. I had to apologize to him later for my attitude. There was one time when I was at church camp. Yes, church camp. I was on the all-star team playing basketball against the preachers. Y'all been out there? We were playing against the preachers. And uh, it was the game to 20, and all these guys I looked up to, and me... Uh, Jason and Nathan and, and a bunch of guys I can name our starting five. I, I just, just 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 me. And, I, and all these guys were playing. We thought we were high on the hog and we're going to take these guys out. You know, we were the all stars and these old old guys who were old then are my age now. I mean, it's my, they're they were about my age or a little bit younger, actually younger. And I thought they were old. And we walked in with confidence. In fact, we were winning. And then all of a sudden. A couple of the men, Mark Abernathy and a man named Norm Shadon, and these guys began to play, and Carl McKellar was on that team, and, and they began to come back, and they took the lead. And it was coming down to the last point, the last shot, and the next portion, the next team to, 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 to make a bucket would win. And somebody stole the ball, and I was the outlet. I started running down the court, nobody even close to me. And I believe it was Jason threw the ball. And I thought, yeah. And I began to think about Sunday night service that night, and we're going to be called up to the platform because we have won the game. Ran down that court, and I short-armed that shot. It was a brick. It didn't even make it over the rim. (laughs) I felt so good running down the court, I thought I was going to dunk the ball, and that's probably why I missed it. And I just short-armed it, and then another team got it, and they went down and scored the basket. And I didn't shake hands, and I didn't be friendly. (laughs) This was the first year my wife was exposed, or my my girlfriend at the time was exposed to my attitude. I stomped off that court, went to the ball diamonds where nobody was, and I cried. Don't awe. (laughs) That's pathetic. That's pathetic. And I cried, and I was embarrassed, and I was ashamed, and I was so upset. And Teresa come over, and she's like half laughing at me and half wanting to console me. And she, be- yes, thank you, mother-in-law, It's pathetic. I sat there, and I grumpy, and I cried. And, of course, the teammates knew better not to come over too soon. And they came over a little bit. I said, man, it's okay. I said, no, it's not okay. I, the story of my life could have been different. I could have been the winner. I could have been the champion. I could have been the, the man on the campus walking around. Hey, he's the one that made the final shot. Yeah, he got autographs after, afterwards. But no, I was embarrassed just because I got so cocky that my mindset became a snare. Which hooked me with a, another snare of anger. And I found my place in pity and shame and wallowing in tears all by myself. We can stay in the place of snares. We can stay in the place, but there will be one thing after another that will rear its ugly head if you stay in that snare. The enemy, the Bible says, the devil is out to steal, to kill and to destroy. He wants to snare you right where you are. And He will do that right here in your mind. He will convince you that you don't need holiness. He will convince you that you don't need to be in the house of God. He will convince you that you don't need a pastor. He will convince you that you don't need the kingdom of God. He will convince you that you don't need to read the Word because what you have is enough. He will convince you that just praying on Sunday at 10.30 is enough, but that is nothing but a false, deceiving snare in your life. I'm here to tell you today, we have got to be full of the Holy Ghost. we got to be full of the love of Jesus Christ, and we have to be in liberty in the kingdom of God. If we are going to be a church that is a revival church, I believe we are on our way. But we got to be careful not to be succumbed to fear and be encompassed with a snare. These three or these two lepers. They could have stayed and they could have whined on the field and complained about their situation and have somebody over come over and console them, and say, Hey, everything is gonna be okay. But no, they didn't stay and waller in their pity. They didn't stay and waller in their situation. They begin to say, You know what? We're gonna do something a little bit different today. We're gonna get up off our rumps, if you will, and we're gonna walk towards the enemy, and we're gonna say, if we die we die, but if we live, we live. There's something about doing something. They're going to do something different that allows us a little bit of freedom. See, there's many times in, in my leadership style and me even being a husband and a man, I get trapped in the mindset of thinking one way. That's why it's important to have people around you to help you with your thinking to look at things and and I will look at things one way and I'll get stuck with that and that necessarily isn't wrong but my wife will come and help me out. Bible says when you find a wife you find a good thing. And I'm thankful that she gives me good advice on certain things I'm, I'm thankful for a wife that that sees me when I'm snared in my thinking and helps me out and that's what the Lord does when we think we got it all figured out and when we think that that we cannot get out and we feel like there is no hope that there is a God that can give you a new vision there's a God that can show you a, a way where there seemeth to be no way find these lepers in the side of that city at the gate of the entering and they begin to walk out towards the enemy. We find that the Bible says in verse number 6, I believe it is, for the Lord hath made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots. I wonder what it would be like if somebody was in a snare and says, I refuse to be held by this snare. I refuse to be held by this fear. I refuse to be held by this anxiety. I refuse to be held back by this doubt that I have in my spirit and say, I I am tired of choosing going down this road. I want to step forth into a way that may seem a little bit chaotic in my mind because I don't know what's going to But I know if I take a step towards Jesus, uh, there is a noise that will come up uh, from the earth. Uh, There will be a noise that will flow from heaven. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 2, there was a noise uh, that took place of a rushing mighty wind uh, where they all were sitting. And the Bible goes on to say that it was noised abroad. When the Bible teaches us or shows us with these two lepers, uh, they began to walk. In other words, they began to go. They began to do something different. They began to do something that they didn't know the outcome of or how it was going to happen. But they had faith. Something got a hold of them. So what I'm telling you today is something's got to get a hold of you. If you're tired of your snare, you're tired of your circumstances, or you're tired of your certain outcome, blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord God Almighty, he can come right down in your life and take you out of that snare. The Bible says that when they began to walk, everybody say, began. They began to walk, the Syrians heard the chariots. When they began to walk, the Syrians heard horses. When they began to walk, they heard, they heard a noise of a great host. Oh, the Bible says to me, and it preaches us to today, that when one sinner repents, all of earth earth rejoices. You wanna hear a noise? You wanna hear a sound from heaven? I want you to step up in your seat, if you will. Step up on your life and say, God, I want to hear a certain sound. I want to hear a noise from heaven. God will be that for you. The Bible says even the noise of a great host. they said, wanting to know the king of Israel hath hired against us the king of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Now when you begin to look at the devil, and I don't get like to give the devil a lot of credit, but I wanted to look at him and put him in his place. This is where feelings do not belong when you begin to talk to the devil because he will persuade you with your feelings. Now if you did this, and if you did that, if you would try this, if you would try that, no devil, I'm not here to talk to you. I'm not here to hear you. I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to tell you something. I'm here to show you who's boss. And My my king is Jesus and and he is on the throne of my life and I refuse to be staying in this snare that you put me in. I refuse to stay snared to fear. I refuse to stay snared to anxiety. I refuse to stay snared to self-righteousness. I refuse to stay snared to selfishness because I have a God who wants to wash me with his love. I have a God that wants to wash me with his goodness and his mercy. Sometimes we got to turn to the devil and tell him and put him in his place, but that does not need to be a long conversation. When I am a child of God, it does not need to be a long conversation to tell the devil who we we are, because our actions, the fruit of our life, should tell him who we are. The fruit of your actions. You see, perfection only comes from one, and that is Jesus Christ. Uh, every good and perfect gift comes from God. He is and was the perfect sacrifice of love. I'm here to tell you today I may not know the outcome of your circumstances. Uh, I may not know exactly what you're going through, but I know a God who knows exactly what you're going through. And I've already said it that He is the author and He is the finisher. He is everything in between, uh, up and down and around. Because my God, in His Word, He says He's omnipresent. Uh, So wherever I am, He is already there. And if I have confidence and I know that He is there with me, I don't have to be worrying about the snares of of life uh, and the snares of fear and the snares of doubt. Uh, I can walk hand in hand with Jesus Christ. Now, as I come to a close right now, I want to say this. The devil, and well, I, I can't say the devil because the devil, he's not omnipresent. His spirit, the spirit that he has, he tries to influence humanity with. The spirit of the devil, he tries to deceive you out of your blessing. He deceives you out of what God wants for you. It started in the Garden of Eden. With Adam and Eve, he deceived them, and he's still doing that today. He's still trying to convince you that everything is going to be okay. Just listen to me for a moment. Everything is going to be fine if you just, just let it go. Just let it be. Every, your circumstance will just work itself out. Oh, it will work itself out one way or another. But I choose Jesus to be the one in charge of my circumstances. I don't don't stand here in front of you to say that I'm perfect. That the devil doesn't try to bring fear into my life. And that I am not snared every now and again with, with problems and situations. But I've said it. The last probably three times that I've preached it, I refuse to allow the devil to take residence in my mind. I refuse to allow the devil to take residence in my heart. I refuse to allow the spirit of this world to infiltrate the church. There are many doctrines, a lot of winds of doctrines in this world, and let me tell you that the only doctrine we have is this word. Right here is Jesus Christ and Him crucified and what the Word of God shares with us. Many of you in this room, many of us, we've all been snared. We've all been bound with fear, and here's where the fear climaxes in this room right now is because many of you know what's coming next. I want to ask you to come and pray and fear is going to come up in your spirit because I know because if I go pray and what if nothing happens (laughs) what if I go pray and God doesn't answer or God doesn't fill me with his presence what if I go pray and I leave here the same way that I left what if that's nothing but the devil trying to convince you that there's no hope in prayer that's just the devil trying to get into your mind his spirit just try to your war, there's a war between your flesh and your spirit right now. There's a war going on in our, in our minds. I'm here to tell you today that you can declare victory in the midst of your war. You can declare victory in the midst of your trial. You say, Pastor, I, I don't know how this is going to outcome, but I have victory already because I have victory in Jesus. I have victory. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you would like to know more information about our church, please check us out on Facebook at Lifeway Apostolic Church. May God richly bless you.